Hi. I'm Nicholas. I'm Hi. the resident philosopher. I'm okay. so glad you're here. Okay. What's your name? I'm Marta, and yeah. I'm a student at the at CUNY, actually. Oh, I'm my God. Yeah. Are you in the philosophy program? Yeah, I'm in the MA program, actually. Oh, my God. Okay, so we have a MA. I'm so glad to meet you. <laughs> Amazing. Cool. I'm a first year, though, yeah. so... so this uh, is, wow. Well, so, you know, so you're talking to Christina. And so, see, yeah. Yes, exactly, okay. exactly. Amazing. Exactly. Yes. Cool. Okay, so we'll have to, like, talk for real after this and, like, just... Oh, meet, oh God. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, welcome. I'm Thank so glad you. you're here to join us today. So, Thank you. Uh, do you know what the topic for today is? Uh, you need to explain it to me, Amazing. actually. Yeah, okay. so artist cognition. So, okay. When I, how familiar are you with you know philosophy of art or philosophy of cognition? I'm not that familiar actually. Okay, totally fine. Yeah, okay. that's great. We, okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of dig in. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, one way of thinking of like you know I don't need to tell you what art is. I assume you have like a basic understanding, like you know everyday work and understanding yes, of art. But yes. cognition is like a, yeah a weirder kind of concept. Okay. One way I would describe like what we mean by cognition is we're talking about brain activity, right? Okay. That's the simplest way. We're talking about brain activity. And specifically, the way philosophers will often use it, yeah. you know, we're talking about what we call like kind of higher order brain activity. Okay. You know? So you know when I react to a loud noise that I hear, like you know when I jump when I hear like a mm. loud noise, or like when I like smell something, mm. like those are like kind of sensory experiences that are also cognitive, right? That's okay. my brain sending okay. me information. Okay. But that's very philosophers will argue that it's very different. Okay. From like the kind of brain activity where I you know read Kant. Okay. Or I, you know, consider whether or not it's ethical of me for, for me to do this. Okay. okay. Um, right. That's like higher order cognitive activity. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. So we're, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And so the question is. Yes. Is art that kind of thing? Okay. Are our experiences of art, our experience of making art. Yeah. Is that higher order, right? Hmm. Is that kind of the, is that part of our complex cognitive okay. capacities? Okay, 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 okay. I'm curious, your first, re you don't have to have like a ready answer, but I'm curious your first reaction to that. Um, well, um, I think it depends actually on the, on the context of what it is that you're uh, reacting to art is. So if you're creating art and if you have like a very, um, um, sorry, I missed the, I'm missing the word. No worries. <laughs> a specific uh, kind of idea about what you're wanting to do. And if you're thinking about it, I would say that's a higher order cognition. Yeah. Whereas reacting to art, I think that depends. It can be either a higher order cognition or not exactly yeah. a higher order cognition. Because like, if you're an art critic, maybe you're having an higher order cognition because you're doing a very uh, mental yeah. thing while you're reacting to art. Whereas if you're someone that doesn't know about art at all, and they see a painting, for, exa for example, and the painting just makes them feel very happy, yeah. for example, or very sad. Maybe that's not a higher order cognition, but uh, but maybe they maybe it can be. Maybe yeah. Maybe it can be. So I don't I, know. I, I think you've yeah you've introduced some really cool and useful distinctions that, like okay. are really like, yeah okay so, like, cool. yeah so let's like dig in right so we've got, I, I love you've got this really clear and like I think really interesting distinction. Yeah. Between like the, the art critic yeah. and the everyday experiencer, right? Yes, yes. And this similarly between the a kind of art creator who like has a kind of like very like kind of conscious idea of what they're doing, yeah. And maybe let's say a five year old yeah. who's scribbling, you know, a crayon, yeah. Right, like uh, yeah. those, those are you know, yeah. And what I I think is really interesting is it's very clear mm. that you know the you know the art critic and the professional artist yes right they're using these higher order cognitive brain capacities yes exactly are they also using the kind of what what again and I don't like the hierarchy this sets up but the kind of lower 
brain activity. Like, 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 do you think an art critic is also having the same kind of emotional reaction mm. that, like, an everyday experiencer is? Mm. Or is it kind of purely the kind of high cognitive capacities at play? I think that's a very hard question, actually. Um, I don't know the answer. <laughs> I think it is. Okay. I think it is. Um, because I think that in some capacity, they would also be using this kind of um, lower cognition um, concepts, or maybe not concept because it's lower, it's a yeah, lower cognition. Yeah. Um, but they would, um, maybe they would use this kind of very um, basic feelings they have about art to construct something that is more intellectualized and that becomes a higher order cognition. Um, in the end, is it just a higher order cognition or not? Maybe it is, because in the end it's an intellectualized idea. Yeah. But maybe it starts as a non-intellectualized like idea. I don't know. I really like that. Like the, I think that's a really complex process that I think is like really <laughs> compelling. Okay. Because it's this idea, right, where it's like it's not it's not necessarily one or the other, like it is a dynamic process. Yes. And yeah, I really like that because what that what you just said actually like kind of really abolishes the distinction oh. between higher and lower order. I mean, because yeah, like can. now these kind of these kind of um, reactive points, these triggers, yes, their significance, their emotional and cognitive significance changes. Yes, right. Yes. So like, um, um, here here's an example, right? So imagine you're a composer, right? Yes. You're kind of a classical composer, or like a or jazz, right? You're like a jazz musician or something, yes. and you're impro improvising any of those, right? Yes. And you you know are sitting at your piano, you're you know you have your sax, mm -hmm. and you just are like you know you're fiddling, you're jamming, mm -hmm. and you like play out the string of notes, mm -hmm. and you're like, whoa, mm -hmm. that was cool. Mm -hmm. I felt that. That mm -hmm. was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you have options. What you could do, yeah. and what some artists would do, is you could just go on doing that. You can yes. just keep on jamming, yes. right? Yes, yes, yes. Or yeah. you could take a step back, yes, and start to like kind of approach that that, that 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 immediate kind of emotional thing, yes, with this new cognitive lens, and be like, okay, so this string of notes really appealed to me. Yes. Why? Yes. How do I like draw out that um that kind of emotional capacity so that it stretches out over a whole song. Yes. Right? Like, how do yes. I sustain it? Yes, yes. That's why, like, you know, a composer who's well-versed in music theory, right? Like, that's why they're well-versed in music theory, right? Yes. So they're able to say, like, okay, that sound really emotionally affected me. Yeah. Now I need to know why Yes. so that I can apply it to um, a, a, a larger song. You know, if you're making an, if you're writing an hour-long symphony, yes, you're not just going to be, you know, Mozart's not just sitting there like <laughs> do, 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 I mean, the whole time, right? Yeah. But yeah. I think you're very right. Yeah. That he has to start somewhere. Yes. And I think more than we might think, yeah. he might start with yeah. the kind of emotional experience. Yes. And build from that. Yes. Yes. Because like, um, I would think that if he doesn't start that way, if he doesn't start. While considering that kind of emotional experience, could he do a piece of art that is emotional? Mm. Can you intellectualize emotion in that kind of way that you yeah. just start with the intellectualization of emotion and you try to put it in a work of art? Can you do that? Maybe you can. I don't Maybe. know. That's a really good question. I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, my my instinct is like you can, but it would be pure luck, you know? Yeah. Right. I would think so, too, actually. How can you intellectualize emotion in that certain that exactly. kind of way? Like, how can you from like without even? I mean, I mean, like there's so there's a big debate, all right, right now yes. about um, 
whether artificial intelligence can create art. Oh, right? wow. Wow, okay. Right, and so, like, the, the, you know, I've listened to a lot of, like, AI-created music. Oh. Um, so, like, like, you know, so imagine that, you know, um, a co- programmer feeds, like, a bunch of box sonatas, right, like, like, like piano con- sonatas, yeah. into, like, a processor, and yeah. the AI then creates, and so I've heard this, I've, yes. like, listened to one, uh, and uh, the AI then, you know, like, you've seen those memes of, like, you know, if, if you, like, ask an AI to write, like, a script or something. Yeah. 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 Um, so, like, and I've listened, and the music, oh. it sounded like a box sonata, right? Like, it, oh. sa- it had the same kind of, like, formal features. Okay, okay. And yet, I felt like there was something missing. Oh, maybe that's the emotional component. Maybe that's emotional, but then I was talking with my friend. My friend kind of pushed back and was like, "Yes, what if there's not something missing? Oh, It's just your head. T- like, So here's the oh. op- appreciation thing, right? No. What if you're just thinking, oh, a computer made this. Okay. It can't be really emotional. Okay, 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 okay. But you know, if I didn't know that a computer had made it, would I have felt the emotion? Right? Yes, so yes. What, 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 what do you think about that? I don't know. Um, I think that you would need to do an experiment with people that they don't know the difference between if it's if it, it if it was composed by an, an AI, an AI yeah. or or a real person, and that's and then you would try to see the results of it, because. Besides that, I don't know because I think it's very possible that, that yeah. you're you can have a, this idea, like you said, that well, exactly. if it's if a computer programmed this, well, then I don't then there's something lacking. Yeah. So you need to have. A way to not be able to distinguish between exactly. between between those. Yeah, but someone. I I, I'm not a scientist, obviously. Well, we're not scientists, obviously but we're scientists not. should get on that if any scientists are listening. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, part of it, I wonder, is so so we're talking. So I was talking to my friend. We, we we were listening to these together. Yeah. And so my friend, she's like a, a formal like a formally trained musician. Oh. So she's like a jazz musician. Okay. Like, like you know has like went to school for like music. Yeah. Um, and something we were talking about. Um, and she was fully convinced that. Um, so she was convinced that she could tell the difference between an AI and a, you know a real made like piece of music. And what she said, and I found this very interesting and compelling at first. But she said, look, a machine is not like a physical body, right? Like a machine's, if an AI is making music, it's not making music the way human beings make music, yeah. where we make it with our bodies mm. in space. Okay. And when human beings are in space, we're in like a complex environment, right? Mm-hmm. So like if I'm playing drums, I'm like, you know, I'm in, I'm in a jazz ensemble and I'm playing the drums. Oh. If I'm tired that day and my arm kind of hurts because I'm like a human being with a body, mm. my, 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 my timing might be a little bit off because mm. I, I feel, you know, the weight of my mm. arm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe like at one point in the middle of the song, like I, you know, s- scratch my ear or something, I get a scratch. Yeah. And that kind of changes my tempo for like, you know, a f- like a millisecond or something. Mm. Someone who's very talented and like understands music very well can notice those things. Like they, can, that, like, they would call it like, you know, that's the color. Okay. Of the, or like, so in... um. In classical music, you call that like the color, the timber yes. of the sound, right? So like, one violin sounds different from another violin mm. because they're physical, mm. and there's going to be little physical differences, mm. and those physical differences will make a different sound yes. kind of quality. Yes. Obviously, when you're making music, like if an AI is making music, none of that's going to be involved. Mm. And so, what my friend was suggesting was that maybe that's where the emotion is in art. The emotion in art is from the fact that human beings are making it in like kind of non-ideal circumstances right they're like physical beings like you know doing the kind of the work 
in in space and time. Yeah. Would you find that compelling? Yeah. I think that's really interesting, and at the same time, it makes me think about the the imperfection of it. Maybe exactly. the reason why we feel that it's so emotional is that we feel a connection to how imperfect art can be, even when it seems kind of perfect, because it's not going to be the same. Yeah. Like you said, between the violence, whereas an AI, since it doesn't have that kind of uh, moment in space as we do, and since it's programmed, then the AI will be as perfect as we want it to be. Exactly. It's going to be the same as whatever we do. Exactly. And yeah. So maybe that's why we find art. So compelling. So compelling. Um, that's really. I think that's a really plausible theory. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, it kind of sounds. Well, that theory, like, which I really do think is like really compelling, sounds a lot like. Um, so Hegel's kind of notion of, um, uh, kind of how art works. So are are you familiar? I'm with? not that familiar with okay, Hegel actually. Great, great. So so in his lecture series, Hegel, kind of offers this argument where he thinks, <laughs> is kind of sweeping claim that what art is. Mm at its core is it's human beings mm. interacting with nature, mm. right? And so by nature, he doesn't just mean like, you know, like literally like trees and stuff, but he means, right, like <laughs> the, the, na- the world, the non-human world. Yes, yes. It, it's, it's like what art is, is human beings acting on our environment, okay. right? Engage in this kind of like, you know, dialectical struggle. That's very Hegelian, <laughs> right? This struggle between the environment. And it's this kind of like, you need the struggle. You need the dynamic. Oh. Like, like so Adorno will we'll talk a lot about this. I, the German, it's like Aufhebung, I think. Like, I, I think, though. Wow. I, I'm not a German I don't know. I don't know German at all. <laughs> but so, uh, yeah. So if my he- if like, people like are listening to this and they know I'm very wrong, <laughs> sorry. Um, but it's this idea of, like, you need this kind of, like, feeling of, like, you need to feel the dynamicism mm-hmm. of, like, one being, you know, the human being, the artist, Working with a medium, working with a tool, working with an environment. Yes. That like is is, is not perfect, right? That's not like programmed. Yes. So you have to kind of struggle with it. Yes. And like that is the beauty of art, Hegel thinks. So I think that's kind of like yeah, what you're saying. That's basically what so, I yeah, think. So yeah. So you and Hegel are on the same same page. I didn't know that. Wow. I mean, that's I found awesome. out something yeah, there you today. Go. Hegel, you're I'm yeah, here. You're you're the better one. Yay. Um, yeah, and I think that's, that's part of that is very compelling. Yeah. So here's a here's a problem. Yes. Here, or not a problem, but here's like an example that we may need to think about, right? Mm. What about electronic music, right? Mm. But not AI-made electronic music. So like, like you know, let's say you go to the club made. and yeah. like you're dancing to techno. Yes. And you're feeling, right? You're not doing the, that. I was thinking this earlier when you were talking about the different kinds of aesthetic appreciation. Yes. If you're in the club and you're dancing to like, you know, techno or like like hard club music, your brain is not like processing, like you know, with the, with higher order at all. At all, you're just moving your body. But that's a kind of a pleasure thing, and a pleasure thing can be this. It, it is an interaction. Mm, okay, cool. That's a good way to address the problem. Yeah. Say so, more. Sorry. Um, well, I don't know. Um, you don't have to. Also, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Um, well, I mean, I think that uh, techno music, even if it's a computer. Um, made type of music not an instrument obviously it's still man-made it's still um there's still someone that's um pushing the buttons to do the music and so maybe that's why uh you get that kind of imperfect feeling that you would get that when someone when a person Mm. makes music versus when an ai makes music and maybe that's why when you dance the techno you're having that kind of pleasure towards it because of the imperfection of it even if it's made through uh, an instrument that it's not exactly a traditional kind of instrument, but you're still playing with it. Exactly. You know that there's like a force on the other side of the music exactly. that like 
because you know that that whoever made that 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 track, you know that yeah. that that track was thinking about the dance. Like they were like like how do I make music? Yes. So maybe that's the real like bottom distinction is that an AI is not thinking about the context of its music. Yes. The the the, the, the decisions it makes have no significance yes. beyond itself. Yes. Right. But the artist and with techno, with classical music, with jazz, whatever. Yeah. They both, both the artist and the you know the appreciator, whether they're dancing or whether they're a critic, yeah, are engaged in this kind of community, right? This kind of social relationship. It is, which is like a which establishes this context. Yes, where like the simplest thing way to say it maybe is you're doing things for a reason. Yes, like an AI doesn't program things for any reason. It has no like motivation. Yes, but when you're poking the buttons that make a techno track or yeah. you're like making beautiful violin music yes. you're doing these actions for reasons you know yes yes i agree cool i agree with that i agree um awesome yeah so that all right so we agree so we've solved the problem oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so yeah so maybe then the thing to think about that is like kind of what that means for like the notion of cognition right mm. Because mm. we've said we we we've said you know like human beings are thinking right mm. when we're when we're making art when we're like you consuming art but mm. we earlier we set up this distinction between these different ways of thinking like yes. you know higher order lower order yes like uh, you know so if there's an artist so so imagine that you are and we've kind of talked about the artist but let's talk about the appreciator right yes so you are a kind of you're at the club, you know, you're dancing, mm -hmm. your brain is not, you know, you're not thinking through. Not at all. Yeah. You're, you're having an automatic relationship. Yes. If you were to suddenly, your brain was to switch and to engage in this, if you kind of took a step back, as I've sometimes done, like, at the club, mm. like, you know, as I kind of write about or I think, like, some of my philosophy stuff is about, like, kind of music, like, club music or, like, mm. kind of techno stuff. Like, I'm very fascinated by it philosophically. Mm. And so, you know, when I'm thinking about it philosophically, my brain is doing the kind of higher order stuff. Yes. And sometimes when I'm at the club, I'll suddenly stop and start thinking about it in that way. Mm. Do I lose something when I do that? Like, does the emotion kind of like we, we were talking about that in the context of the creator? I think it's a completely different here? experience, actually. Mm. One is an appreciation that's um, that doesn't have any kind of outside reason besides the fact that you're having some pleasure while they're dancing to the music. Cool. Whereas the other one is you're thinking about the pleasure that you're having with the music. So one is an act and one is a thinking. Um, yeah. I would say those are different experiences. I think you're right. That's really interesting. And I love the way you, the way you just phrased that, like poked at um, a like um, debate in philosophy. <laughs> art. Well, I'm calling it a debate because I'm starting the debate because <laughs> someone wrote something and I'm, I have an article coming out like, oh, cool. arguing against it. Cool, cool. So like, I, I want it to become a debate. Um, <laughs> and so, so and this philosophy is fantastic. Gerald Levinson, he's like one of the best philosophers of art alive today. Yeah. And so he has this notion that's pretty standard mm. where he says, what aesthetic experience is, you know, like there's this big question of philosophy art. What is aesthetic experience? Like what is this experience of appreciating beauty, appreciating, you know, art, whatever, whatever. Mm. What's like, what's its nature? Yeah. And so his argument is that the nature of aesthetic experience is you have an immediate gut experience, an emotional reaction, mm. and then mm. you distance yourself from that mm. and you kind of reflect on mm. that immediate experience. Mm, mm, mm. So what you just described is like the intellectual kind of experience he actually wants to say that's what aesthetic experience is. Oh, 
he thinks that all of our aesthetic experiences have this kind of reflective oh. distancing experience. Oh. I argue against that. I don't agree as well. Okay, can you say, do you want to say a little more about what, yeah? Be because I don't think that an, an aesthetic um, experience needs to be intellectualized. It can be uh, the the basic feeling that that we had first, yeah. the pleasure of it, the lower order cognition. Yeah. Awesome. Having an aesthetic experience doesn't have to be a higher order. It can be a lower order one. Yeah. Like, and so, so here's an example that may help like us like really dig in. Okay. So like, he has a list of things he thinks don't count as aesthetic experiences okay. in his model. Okay. The primary one um, is like drug use. Okay. Right. And so this is kind of common in philosophy of art. Is okay. That, and in philosophy of emotion too mm. is like the use of like um, um, talking about you know pharmaceutical experiences as the drug uh, as the philosopher's call because we don't want to say you know doing drugs <laughs> so in these pharmaceutical experiences yeah you know like and, and you know you'll see this even if you're doing like a full a um a like um um a uh, scientific experiment right and you're like trying to like you know study some kind of brain activity and you give like your you know your the people who you're experimenting on like some kind of drug that like makes them you know so like one example would be like a, giving giving someone an adrenaline Mm. Pumping it like pumping adrenaline, and that makes you know their heart rate increase, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They um, have an immediate reaction. Yes. And most philosophers would say that doesn't count as an experience. Mm. The reason is, and so and so this beloved said it's, it's kind of like that that would that would make aesthetic experiences very cheap. Mm. If all it took to have like an aesthetic experience was to like inject a drug of some kind that um, automatically changed your physiology, mm. that would mean that like. Whenever you know you're, I don't know, not just like drinking or having or taking a drug of some kind, but any time that like your brain activity like changes, hmm. you that would then count as an aesthetic experience. And he thinks no, he wants aesthetic experiences to be like a very specific, That's narrow impossible. category. Yeah. Why can you? Why? How can you establish a, a specific category for aesthetic experiences when humans, when even when they're in the normal type of yeah. experience if, like all the humans that are not experiencing drugs right now we all have different kind of kinds of experiences mm. so how can we establish that uh, an aesthetic experience is just this specific one considering all the different kinds of experiences that we have yeah so um, I would say that the drug experience it could be considered an aesthetic experience I would agree I would um, because it would be a way of viewing things and it would be a way of you feeling and having pleasure with something. It doesn't have to be pleasure, whatever it is that you're feeling. Exactly. Um, um, it, it, you're having an experience with it and you're, and you're, you're still feeling it. You're still experiencing exactly. this, the aesthetics of it even while you're on drugs. Yeah. So I would say that's an aesthetic experience awesome. and I would say that um, you can't establish a specific category of ecstatic experience considering all the different experiences we have as humans cool yeah so, i agree yeah. that's this, this i would is, say that this is sounding similar to um so another philosopher i really like um yuriko saito mm. um, she's a fantastic philosopher of art cool. and like her big thing is she's really into every what she calls everyday aesthetics mm. so you know like we just discussed right like philosophers have this stand this idea that aesthetic experiences are very specific yeah. they only apply to very specific kinds of objects like yes. artworks or beautiful objects whatever yes. and they're only like you only, we only have like very specific small parts of our lives we get to feel these yes and what saito argues is no 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 every single second of our life we're feeling something aesthetic 
Yes. It's just that sometimes those aesthetic experiences are really boring, right? <laughs> like when you're, you know, driving, you know, when you're on the subway, you know, and you're taking your hour-long ride back home and you're just kind of sitting there like I do sometimes. Mm. And, you know, you, you, you're not, like, having some, you know, deep, beautiful experience. Yeah. You're just kind of, like, blah. Yeah. That's still aesthetic. Yes. It's not maybe a good one. Yeah. But your body and, and your kind of... Your, your, your kind of perception of the world is still being colored by this kind of emotional affect. Yes. And that's like, we feel those all the time, exactly. you know? Exactly. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think we're on the same page with that. Cool. Amazing. <laughs> Yay. Cool. Okay. Nice. All right. So yeah, I think, I think we're going to wrap things up. Yeah, Thank yeah. you so much. It this was, was very a nice, actually. Conversation. Yes. Yeah. I'm so cool. glad you stopped by. Nice.